0: All right. Good morning. Uh, Portuguese, bon dia." Uh, I'll explain that in just a minute. Well, let's try that again. Bon dia." Very good. You actually sound like you're from Brazil. Um, hey, uh, if you brought a smartphone and you want to follow along with this morning, you could do so by using the Version app or the Bible app. If you just go to the tab section, click live, search the well Austin, it will have uh, the scriptures for today and some points and some questions for you to answer. So you can do that. Or you can also use that link right there and just type it into your browser and it will take you there as well. Um, as you're kind of getting prepared to do that, you can also grab the Bible underneath your chair. We're going to look at several different places in Scripture today. Let me explain why I said bon dia. The reason I said that was because some, a lot of you know, but not everybody knows. My name is Bob, one of the pastors here at The Well. And uh, my family and I are in preparation to move to Brazil uh, to try uh, to uh, plant a church that is English-speaking but reaching globally-minded people. Uh, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Sao Paulo, Brazil is one of the most diverse cities in all of the world. So um, somewhere in the vicinity between 20 and 23 million people live there. Uh, just depends what the day. Um, that's a lot of people. And um, it's, it's a fascinating city in the city. Um, nobody looks Brazil, like you know, there's no way you can tell who's Brazilian and who's not because everybody looks like something. Like, does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Like, people come up to me all the time asking me for directions, and pretty much the only thing I can tell them is bon dia. That's about the extent of my, my Portuguese. That's not true. I know a few other things. I'm slowly learning uh, the city and slowly learning some things, meeting new people. For the most part, this trip was great. There was one particular day that was a real struggle. Um, sometimes when I'm there, I deal with... Um, isolation and loneliness, because I don't know the language very well. And you, when you don't know a language very well, you forget that everything is difficult. Um, and so like, going to eat is a hard thing to do when you're by yourself. If you're with somebody who speaks Portuguese, then we can go wherever, but if I'm by myself, I've, I've found a few places that I feel comfortable with, and the reason I feel comfortable with them is because uh, pepperoni is the same in English and Portuguese. Um, and so, so there's some places that I go to one particular day when I was there um, I was, it was a very difficult day and some of it was just culture shock but some of it was also, um, there's no other way to describe it except a spiritual attack I thought I was losing my mind and I was like I, mean, I don't want to give you all the details but I, I remember verbally saying out loud multiple times what is wrong with me? like it was the it was a crazy day but for the most part other than that day it was great met some people i got a chance to go to um one of the guys that I met, um, his English is really well, but there was one particular day he wanted me to go with him to an event. To um, He said, we're going to go to, uh, he didn't think, couldn't think of the, en- the English word for album, like a record, like a vinyl record. He couldn't think of the word. We figured it out. He said, we're going to go to this, it's a hipster place that has those things. And I said, records, yes, yes, that. And so I thought that was pretty cool. So I asked him, I, I want to know what the hipster word in Portuguese is. Like, how do you say hipster in Portuguese? And he just laughed and he said, hipster. <laughs> um, so that was kind of funny. But we go to this record store, and every Tuesday at this record store, they have Syrian refugees that come and cook food, and you can purchase it, and that's kind of how they're trying to make some money. Um, so that was pretty fun. And so overall, it was really great. Christmas in Brazil is going to take some time to get used to because it's kind of bizarre. So, what, like, they're entering into, like, we're entering into winter, they're entering into summer, but they still have the same like what you think of like Christmas stuff. So they still have Santa in a snowsuit, right? But really he should be like in a, in a Speedo, um, which would be an interesting sight. But they have the same thing, like the same kind of Christmas things. And everybody, in general, everybody in Brazil is always jolly anyways. Like, it's, like it's very affectionate and very loving. And so that's great. Um, but even more so at Christmas. And so everybody's like happy and jolly. And, and it reminded me that Christmas, in some ways, in some form and fashion, is kind of a universal language. And one of the themes that goes along with Christmas is love. Like, every, It's just like, even, it's interesting because even people who either are anti-Jesus or don't know Jesus, they still know Christmas and they still know, well, I want to be loved and I want to love and so, so that same thing is going on. It just happens to be hot and humid and rainy. Um, but the same thing is going on in Christmas lights and everything, and it's just like Christmas time. There, is, it just means you go to the beach. And so, the whole thing is true. Everybody is always loving and kind, with one exception. And it's not that they're mean; it's just different. Like, there's some in your culture and in my culture here in the United States, there's some things that we do that we just don't think about that we do, Like, and there's some sayings that we have that don't make sense and things that we do, like it's raining cats and dogs. Try to explain that in Portuguese. Like that doesn't, we, I don't even know how to explain that in English. Like that doesn't make sense, Raining cat, and I'm sure there's some reason and somebody's going to come tell me later. It's okay, tell me. I'll be glad to learn because I don't know how to explain that. But there's some sayings, and I'm learning some Portuguese sayings, and I'm going to teach you one. Um, keep in mind, I'm making an assumption that they told me the truth that this is what it means, so be careful when you say it because uh, it might mean something else. I don't know. But the term is Suave nanavi, say that, suave nanavi, suave nanavi. So here's the context or how you would use this. Well, literally it means, it means smooth like the ship. Or smooth like the plane, like it's smooth, like smooth sailing is literally what it means. But if I were to say to you, uh, "total bien, which means is everything good? You would say, suave the na navi, which means cool, everything's cool. So it doesn't really literally make sense, but that was kind of funny. But everybody's really nice with one exception, when you go into the subway. And it's not that they're mean, but approximately between eight and nine million people per day get onto this subway, okay? And so it's not that they're mean, but they are just got, got places to go, and it's really crowded. I have one advantage. I'm typically taller than most people in Brazil, and so I don't feel claustrophobic, and I'm not stuck sniffing somebody's armpit as we're on the, on the subway. But they don't, if you go into a, an elevator, Everybody looks at, like it's not the same as it is in the United States. In the United States, you look down or you look up and you don't say anything, right? But in Brazil, you look at everybody in the eye and you say, depending on what time of day it is, bon dia, like you just, and you do that. Subway, you don't usually make eye contact and you don't usually speak. And so one particular day I'm on the subway, doing the Brazilian thing, not really looking at anybody, just waiting for my stop, waiting for my stop. And I I typically, on this particular day, it wasn't super crowded, but I chose to stand anyways. And so I'm standing next to the door, right next to me is a woman with a little, a little girl. I don't know how old, I'm not good at determining age, under five, okay? I don't know, she's a little kid. And she keeps looking at me. Like I can see out of the corner of my eye, she's looking at me. What? What human being doesn't look back when a little kid's looking at it? Like, that's what you do if you're human, you look back. And so I'm looking at her, she looks at me, and she just starts waving. Like, we're two feet apart, and she's waving. So if a little kid waves at you, you, it's mandatory, right? You have to wave back. So I wave at her, and we go, and I can still feel her staring me down. And so I'm reluctant, but I do it anyway, so I look at her again, and she starts waving at me again. And so I feel obligated this time, not to the same degree, but still a little kid. So I'm going to wave at you. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, last time. We go a little bit further. I still feel somebody staring at me. I I don't want to look because I'm just like, I know you're sweet. You're a nice little girl, but you need to get some friends of your own. Um, so I, I glance, and she's waving at me again. Like, she's just waving at me. And I'm kind of like, I, okay, it's, I, that's nice, and I, and, I, and I value that you want to have this, though casual relationship with me, you want this relationship, um, and I'll show you some kindness and some love by waving at you, but please stop. Like, it, it got a little annoying, right? Have you ever been in that, like, nobody's going to admit this, because I'm the only one talking bad about little children now, but... But you know what it's like? It gets a little awkward because they just keep like over and over and over. And it's not like a, it's not like a, it's like a, like she's just like waving at me. And so I feel obligated every time to wave back. And I know that it sounds silly, but even in this, it, granted this is a shallow relationship but she was establishing a relationship okay like like we have this common bond now and it's not it's not a deep relationship it's like we're not going to probably share a meal together ever we may not ever see each other again but we have enough of a relationship where we can at least wave right and it made me start thinking that at christmas time we know love and we even Sometimes we're more gracious towards children than we would normally be, but love, and we establish, even though it was a shallow relationship, it was still some form of relationship. But we all desire relationships, like like we were created for that. Even the most introverted person in the room desires a relationship, the extroverted person they actually have less relationships than the introverted person, okay? Because they're just like waving at everyone. And there's shallow relationships for the most part, but they're just waving at everyone. So the introverted person actually has more depth to their relationships than the extroverted person. But we all are created for relationships. We're all created for love. But there's different kinds of love. And this is where, in some ways, the English language fails us. And so today, as we talk about You know, Christ our love, it would be nice if we could like divide love into different categories because there's, because even though it was a shallow relationship, I had some level of relationship with a little girl on a subway just because we waved. That's a relationship. I mean, it's not a great, but it's not a bad relationship. I mean, it's like, okay, yes, maybe I thought a few bad things about her, but we still had a relationship. We all desire relationships, like we want to be known and we want to love, but there's different levels and it's important for us to understand these levels of relationships. And so that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today is understanding these relationships because sometimes just on a a surface level, we have um, symbiotic relationships. And I want to show you a few examples, two examples of this. I got a picture um, that is gonna put up on the screen. So this bird right here is called an egret, okay? It's called an egret, and basically what happens is it hops on the backs of different animals and eats insects and bugs that happen to get attracted to this animal, and so it's, a, it's not a great relationship, but they have a relationship, right? Like, there's some mutual benefit there. Like, the bird, it gets some food, and the animal gets some relief from the bugs, okay? And so you see that, and it's like, it's not, like, it's probably not... The picture-perfect relationship, but it's still a relationship, right? It's a relationship, and so there's some there's some benefit there. There's another there's another animal, uh, and it's, it happens to be a bird. Um, and I did, next picture plover. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before. This is true. This is true. Um, this bird is called a plover and it has a symbiotic relationship with an alligator. This alligator, I know what you think, but it's not true. You think that this alligator just is gonna eat this bird, but that's not what happens because they know that it's mutually beneficial. So there are different times when an alligator will open its mouth, this bird will jump into the alligator's mouth and start to pick out um, pieces of food that got left from a previous meal in the alligator's teeth, and it will pick that out. And so the bird knows the alligator needs me to uh, do flossing for him, and I need the alligator because it's just a free meal, like it's easy food, um, and so it's this interesting relationship that they have going back and forth, and so though it's not a great relationship, like like I don't know that that's the picture-perfect relationship, but it's a relationship, right? Like there's some benefit there, and so I want us to talk about what does it look like to have normal love, which isn't Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying bad love, but what does it look like for you and I to have normal love versus Christ-like love? Because I think there's a difference, okay? Normal love is not bad. Normal love is like picking food out of somebody's teeth, though some of you might say that actually takes love to a whole new level. But but there's normal love and Christ-like love, and we're going to kind of compare and contrast those, and we're going to go through some of those, so I want us to do that. Uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 32, um, Jesus is speaking to his followers, okay? So these are people who are um, in a relationship with Jesus, and he starts speaking to them in verse, chapter 6, verse 32, and he starts comparing and contrasting normal love and Christ-like love. And I think that the way that he does it is, um, it's just Jesus-like. He pulls off something that you and I could never pull off, the way that he explains this. So in verse 32 it says... If you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Now, you and I, sometimes when we read this, we're tempted to think that Jesus is um, saying that that's bad. He's not saying that it's bad. He's just in a moment going to tell you that there's a better way. He's not saying that it's bad. He's just saying that's normal love. Everybody, Everybody does that okay? Verse 33, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So Jesus is is comparing and contrasting normal love to Christ-like love, and he's saying normal love is like You lend because you know you're going to get something back. You do something. And so we're going to look at three characteristics of normal love. And the first characteristic of normal love, and I should have chosen a different word. There are some words in the English language that I struggle saying. It's just hard for me to say. Um, I'm also bad at spelling in English, which kind of helps when you're learning a new language because you can just say I'm bad at English too. Um, But... The first, uh, the first trend here, or the first uh, aspect of normal love, is that it's reciprocal. Did I say that correctly? Okay, good. Reciprocal. The other way that you say it is very difficult for me. Um, reciprocity. Is that correct? Oh, it's good. All right. I feel like I learned. Like I feel like I did so good. We could pray and go home because that was really good. But it's like reciprocal. Okay. It's like and we have, even in English, we have these different terms. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So you do something for someone else because you know that in turn, they'll do something for you. And this is true all the time. Like some of, I don't know if you do this, but I know of people who do this like right now, because it's Christmas season, it's Christmas time. Some of you, or some people in America, maybe not you, some people in America have really crappy gifts already wrapped up in their closet just in case somebody shows up at their house and gives them a gift and they were not expecting it so that they can give them something back, right? You know what I'm saying? Like those really, I mean, it's just a gift. It could be whatever. And you give something because somebody gave you something. Like that's love. And though it's not the perfect picture of love, I guess in some ways it is kind of love. Like, okay, you gave me something, I'm going to give you something back. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And it's this reciprocal thing. But what happens is sometimes there's a crack in this system and sometimes what you thought was a reciprocal relationship ends up like they, for whatever reason, one time decided that they weren't gonna give back. And you kind of get your feelings hurt or you get frustrated and you're like, well, I did this for you. Why didn't you do this for me? Like there's even an old, an old baseball saying well, I say baseball because it was a baseball guy who said it's not actually a baseball saying. Like, if you don't go to someone else's funeral, you can't expect them to come to yours. <laughs> Only about 10% of the room got that. <laughs> the rest of you, you can ask later to somebody sitting next to you who is laughing and then it will make sense. But... What happens is we get really frustrated at times because for whatever reason, somebody can't give back to us or they forgot to give back to us or they gave us something back that we didn't really want or need. And so this reciprocal relationship at times can be frustrating because there's a crack in the system and it doesn't always work. So normal love, the first part of normal love is that it's reciprocal. The second part is that what happens is in those types of relationships, you and I end up becoming guarded. We become guarded, and this is why. It's because here's how you know if you are in this normal kind of love relationship. If you constantly are using or hearing the word if, I will do this for you if you do this for me. I will love you if you get good grades. I will love you if you buy me things. I will love you if, if, if. And what happens is, in a guarded kind of relationship, it's really no different than me and the little girl on the subway because I didn't really know much about her and she knew nothing about me. We were just waving and everything. Everybody was happy, okay? We're guarded because we're afraid that if somebody really knew me, they wouldn't love me at all. If somebody knew the real Bob, they wouldn't love me. If they knew what I really am like, if they knew what I really think, if they knew how I really acted, if they really knew me, then they wouldn't love me. And so what happens is in these normal kind of love relationships, just normal average love, we are guarded because we're afraid if somebody really knows me, then they're not going to love me. And they do the same to you. So you never actually get to know that person for real. And because you don't know that person for real, you have normal love. It's just normal. It's average love. It doesn't make it evil or bad. It's just that you and I were created for something greater than that. And we'll learn in a minute why and how that happened. The third thing is that it can be temporary. Normal love can be temporary because... In my situation with the little girl on the subway, it was very temporary because the next stop was my stop. Like, so we have this relationship. I love you and you love me because we waved and everything is great. Oh, sorry, my stop. I'm out of here. But it's the same thing in our average everyday relationships. It can be temporary because something better comes along. Or something happens, and they 're not happy, or something somebody moves, and because it was normal love, it doesn't continue in the relationship because they 're out of sight, out of mind, and so um, normal love can become temporary, but christ-like love is a little bit different, so if you keep reading in Luke chapter six, verse thirty five we start to see Jesus compare and contrast, so he gives us the example of normal love. Now he's going to give us an example of Christ-like love in verse 35. It says, But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And so Jesus is like, let me show you what real love is about. Let me show you what Christ-like love is about. Love your enemies. Love those people that are difficult to love. Like we all have them, right? We all have at least one person in our life that we, when we see them coming, we're like, I don't want to deal with this today. Somebody else can love them today, just not me. Like, we have that one person that's hard. It's just difficult to love them. But Jesus says, I want you to love them. I want you to love everyone. I want you to give without expecting back. Like, this can be tricky, right? Giving without expecting back. Okay, for me, it's tricky. Because it's kind of like, I think, in normal love terms, if I buy you a meal, you buy me a meal. If I do something for you, you're supposed to do something back. And Jesus says, I'm giving you a different kind of love. It's like, don't just love people. Don't expect anything in return. Just love them. And then he goes on to say, be merciful. And then he says, the reason that you can have Christ-like love is because when you begin to understand how much God the Father loves you. It changes the way that you relate to and love the people around you. Love those people. He said, this sounds, so in John chapter 6, that sounds really great. He's saying, here's normal love, here's Christ like love, but then he takes it a little step further. Um, in John chapter 13, he actually starts giving us a command, it's not just a suggestion. It's not like, hey, this is a good idea. This goes beyond normal love. This is Christ-like love, and you should think about this. He actually gives us a command, and he says in verse 34, a new command I give you, that you love one another. Now, isn't it interesting that he says, I'm giving you a new command to love one another? I mean, I'm sure somewhere in the Old Testament, it has to talk about loving people. So it's actually not terribly new, Okay, but Jesus says, I'm gonna give you a new command. I want you to not, I want you to go beyond normal love and start using Christ like love. I'm gonna give you a command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. I want you to love people just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, that if you love, if you have love for one another, not normal love. The Christ-like love, the kind of love that gives without expecting something back, the kind of love that scratches a back whether you scratch my back or not, the kind of love that shows mercy even when you don't necessarily deserve mercy, the kind of love that shows grace even when they don't necessarily deserve grace. Jesus says, that's what I want you to do. So I want to look at some, quickly some characteristics um, of Christ-like love. The first one is that it's unconditional. Christ-like love is unconditional. So normal love, there's always conditions. If you do this, if you do that, Christ-like love is unconditional. And it tells us this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Um, I mean, it's difficult for, for anybody to say what their favorite verse is. Like, it's really hard to do that because it depends on what you just read. Um, but this, is real, this has got to be like in the top 10. Like, this is a really good verse. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love... Christ-like love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like while, like sometimes we get this idea that to be a good Christian, we gotta get really fancy. Um, Portuguese is muito chique. You have to get like all fancy to, for God to love you. You have to get fancy. you have to get cleaned up. The, the bizarre thought of this is like you get so dirty playing outside that your mom tells you that you have to take a bath before you take a bath. you have to get cleaned up before you take a bath because you got so dirty. God says. I sent my son Jesus to die for you even while you were sinning. like While you were messed up, not while you were dressed up, while you were messed up. While you were messed up, I loved you like this. It's unconditional. And so in this kind of Christ-like loving relationship, isn't it good to know, like don't miss this, isn't it good to know in this Christ-like relationship that even when I was messed up, even when I was, was as dirty as you could possibly be, he loved me. He God loves me because he sees Jesus when he looks at me, not me and my sin. He sees the the perfection of his son and that he died on the cross. He doesn't see my mess, he sees Jesus. And so there isn't anything that you can do that's gonna cause God to love you more. So it doesn't matter how good you look. It doesn't matter how good you smell. It doesn't matter what you wear or you don't wear. He loves you. And there isn't anything that you can do that's gonna cause him to love you less. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. It doesn't matter how dirty you get. It doesn't matter what you do. He loves you. Now, some people might be tempted to think, well, if you say that, if you say that it doesn't, you can't do anything to earn God's love more and you can't do anything to dis-earn. I don't, know what I, I don't know what the Portuguese, unearn, is that a word? You can't do anything to unearn, dis-earn, to screw up. That sounds much better, God's love. Some people might say, well, then that just leads me to believe that I can just go do whatever I want to do. Not true. I know that my dad has un- my earthly father has unconditional love for me, and there are times when i 've messed up, and he still loves me and it just makes me want to respect him and love him more, not go do whatever I want to do when we begin to see how much God loves us and he doesn't he doesn't base his love on us on based upon our performance, good or bad, it doesn't mean that we can go do whatever we want it means that we love him and want to become more like him, and we want to respect him, not just go do whatever we want to do. So the first thing about Christ-like love is that it's unconditional. The second thing is that it's powerful. Like, normal love is good. Like, and normal love can even accomplish some good things. Like, normal love, um, you saw, see somebody trip on the sidewalk and you help them up. That's, like, that's great. That's good. You don't have really a relationship with them, but you help them. It's good. Because you just love human beings. You wave at a little girl on the subway. That's good. You help them. But it's really just normal love. But, but Christ-like love is powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, I, typically, this is my, maybe one of the things that gets read at weddings. Not I'm not saying it shouldn't be read at wedding because it's great, but... Uh, when we only read it at weddings, it loses its purpose. That Christ-like love is powerful. Listen to what this says. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Like, it doesn't matter how many languages you speak. It doesn't matter how great things you say. If you don't have Christ-like love, you're just making a bunch of noise. You're just making a bunch of noise. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, like, ooh, that sounds good. And if I have all faith, ooh, even better. So as to to remove mountains, woo, but have not love, I'm nothing. So you could have a really great job. You could do really great things could be an eloquent speaker but if you don't have christ-like love it's not really benefiting anything or anyone or even you for that matter if i give away all i have and if i deliver up my body to be burned but have not love i gain nothing love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude It does not insist on its way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And I'm pretty certain that what we're talking about here is not normal love. This is Christ-like love. Like, this is powerful The third thing that we learn is that Christ-like love is sacrificial. I mean, I think maybe intuitively we know this, but sometimes we don't don't really think about the impact of this. John chapter 15, verse 12 says this. This is my commandment. Again, now he's giving us a command, not just a suggestion, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, That someone lay down his life for his friends. So Christ-like love is sacrificial. Meaning, it's like going to cost you something. Like normal love, you can do it whenever it's convenient for you. Normal love is just like whenever you have a little bit of time, whenever you just like want to feel a little bit better. Normal love is convenient. Christ-like love is sacrificial, meaning this. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you resources. It's going to cost you comfort. It's going to cost you something. Like, people that God has commanded us to love don't really care if SportsCenter is on right now. Don't really care what you're trying to do how much you're trying to rest because you stayed up really late studying for this test. Christ-like love means that we sacrifice. It costs us something. Not only is it powerful, but it costs us something. Now we could probably leave here today and just say, oh, isn't that great? We need to have Christ-like love, not normal love. Like, and we could leave here and I'd be like, okay, good job, Bob. You talked about Christ-like love. Way to go. Let's go home. Just do it. Like I could just pull the Nike thing out and just say, okay, just do those things. Like just, just love people with Christ-like love, just do it. In my life, it hasn't worked that way. It hasn't worked when I just try harder to love people. That's just me trying to love them with normal love. And I almost always It's not that I necessarily fail, but I fall short of what Christ-like love is supposed to be like. Because I do it when I want to do it. I do it when I need to feel better. I do it when I think I want something back. But Christ-like love is a little bit different. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Don't miss this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God... When I hear that love is from God, it's probably just because of the topic of the day and the season that we're in, but it's really easy for me to see this now. Love is from God. He sent his son, baby Jesus, to us to show us Christ-like love. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us. Baby Jesus. Look what it says. Like I'm not, I mean this isn't Bob, this is scripture. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. What that tells me and what that tells you is that If you just try harder, all you're doing is still normal love. Because Christ-like love can only come from Christ. Like it's not, you get that power, you get that resource, you get that love that comes from him because you see that he loves you. It's not you doing more, it's not you doing better, it's not you trying more. There's a difference between normal love and Christ-like love. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the proportion, to be the perpetuation for our sins, beloved. If God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. When you and I begin to see that it wasn't normal love that God sent us, it was Christ-like love, when we begin to see that this is an encounter that we get to have because of who Jesus is in us and through us, because of what he primarily did on the cross, I mean, okay, being born of a virgin, that was great, okay, that was cool, but Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of your sin, and when we begin to realize that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus, his perfect son, instead of our filth, instead of our dirtiness, instead of our normal love, he sees Jesus, when we repent, we see God's unconditional love and we see that you and I can then also love the other people well. Last thought. And I want you to think about it and it probably won't be very pleasant. If we don't love people with Christ-like love, if we only love people with normal love, Aren't we indeed saying that Christmas is more about Santa Claus than it is about Jesus? It's about normal love. It's not bad love, but it's just normal love. If we don't love people with Christ-like love, then Christmas just becomes more about gifts and being happy and singing good songs and eating good food and all of that is great. I love spending time with family and friends. I love going to Christmas parties. I love doing those things. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if we don't love people with Christ-like love, we just love people with normal love, we're saying that it's just another holiday that we have. We're saying that it's just normal love. It's just normal Jesus. I don't think that you and I really understand the gospel if we're saying that it's just normal Jesus. We don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ if we live our life by loving people with normal love. That tells me that we only view Jesus as loving us with normal love. So how do you view Jesus? Normal love? Christ-like love. How does he love you? How do you love those around you? Let's pray. God, it's, um, it's good to be with these people today as we talk about as we talk about what you did for us when you sent Jesus, Christ who is love. And I pray today that you would take the things that we've talked about and the things that we've sang about and that in a a God kind of way, in a supernatural God kind of way, you could take the things that that we've discussed and that you could impact our heart in a God kind of way. That you would impact us not in a normal way, but in a Jesus kind of way that we would be overwhelmed by your grace and overwhelmed by your mercy and that we would see that love that comes from you is not normal at all. And I pray that as we begin to be impacted by your love that we would use your power and your strength to impact the people around us with Christ-like love. And that it would go way beyond just normal love. In your righteous and holy name we pray, amen. Um, So a couple things are gonna happen this morning. Some guys are coming forward right now with some baskets. This is what we call, we're receiving our tithes and offerings, and so as they come forward,